there's a couple things I'd like to uh, share with you in this realm of submission. And it was a very, very big lesson that uh, was big for me in graduate school. And it was called Speaking the Truth in Love. Now, when I was uh, in class that night, you have to remember, let me make things clear, that I had always been passive. I was 52 years old in school, and I had always been passive like my dad. My mom had been a crazy maker, and she was incredibly aggressive and harsh and judgmental. And my dad's way of living through her was to be passive. Now, I could have been like all my other siblings and been aggressive and angry like my mom, but my temperament bent itself much more comfortably towards passivity. And so I had lived my whole life being passive. And then I get to this class this night, and the, the professor is teaching us about the concept of speaking the truth in love. And they're saying that sometimes, and especially in your marriages, but it could be in any situation, not just in your marriages. There are times when you perhaps are the only person who can address a big sin problem in your spouse or in others. And they said, your job is to do it. Now they gave it a way, a method to do this. They were saying, you go home, go before the Lord, and you pray about it, and you take notes from the Lord as to what he might want you to say, and then pray about when you should even say it. And when you do have something that you need to address, the first thing you should do is affirm the person greatly. Stan, there's something I want to talk to you about that I'm sure that if you realized you were doing it, you would never do it. That came for me right from the Holy Spirit because I would have never thought of it. But look how it affirms Stan's good heart before I even got to what I needed to talk to him about. I have saved that one and never forgotten it. It was so powerful. So we start by affirming greatly. And you might have more things that you would say besides just that little statement that I just made. And then, Stan, I would like to talk with you about something that I'm sure if you realized you were doing it, you would never do it. See, the Holy Spirit is brilliant. I could have never thought of that. So we affirm greatly, and then we give them the truth. Now, what happens when we speak the truth in love with kindness, no anger, no bitter edge, but with kindness? And what happens? The truth has been stated, and it has gone out in space. Words, powerful words, have gone out in space, and the person has got to hear them. Now, it's up to the Holy Spirit to apply those words in the person, your husband, your best girlfriend's heart and mind. Over time, it may not happen, and usually does not happen right away. How do most of us receive something we don't like to hear? Not very 
not well. Usually, usually we're very resistant and maybe we even want to punch you in the nose, right? Well, we have to be prepared. Do I love the person enough that they might punch me in the nose figuratively or whatever? Do I love them enough to allow that possibility or that I might even lose relationship? If you're telling a girlfriend about her alcoholism, you may lose her forever. Or she may someday finally hear the Holy Spirit and respond. So the amazing thing is that you will get cuffed. Expect it. The person's not going to like it, and they're going to give it to you. Be prepared. Do you see how brave and courageous we have to be to do this? Right. You've got my face right there. <laughs> it's shocking to me. And then they told us, to wait and see what the Holy Spirit does with those powerful words that have finally been said. And if you think about it, those words are finally out in space and they're in that other person's ears for the Holy Spirit to then apply over time. So here is what happened to me in my class. I then was told to go home and do it. And I was horrified because I've never done anything like this in my entire life. And I immediately said, oh, Lord, who will I do it? He gave me my girlfriend's name. And it was like, oh, oh, I knew just what she had done to disrespect me because I wasn't married at the time, right? I didn't have a husband to have an issue with. And I go out to the car. It's 10 o'clock at night to drive the hour drive home. And she calls me, which she never had done. <clears throat> Crazy. And... She wanted me to take her to work the next morning at 7.30 um, because her car was in the shop. And I said, God, you're going to make me do this right away, aren't you? Oh, God. And the next, I quick made some notes of what I needed to say. And the next morning, I'm driving her in. And it was a five-minute drive. And oh, heart's palpitating. And I have to say it. So just before she gets out of the car, I say, Debbie, you know, for the past five years, she'd been in a relationship with my brother-in-law, and they'd gone this cycle where they would break up and they would never talk to each other again for about two months. And then they'd start to talk on the phone. And then they'd talk more and more and more and more. And then they were back in the relationship again. For, I don't know, how many times can you do that in five years? 10, 15 times? I felt so respected because Debbie was always saying to me, this time it's different. And I was so tired of hearing it. And so I, I basically told her that I felt disrespected. And she was so shocked because I'm never supposed to be anything but passive, right? And she said, well, thank you. And she got out of the car. An hour later, she called me on the phone and reamed me out. <laughs> So the cuffing is to be expected. And then we had a very frigid friendship for three months. And I said, well, they told me that this could take a long time. And three months later, she calls me out of the blue and she said, Candy, I get it. I said, what happened? She said, I went to the Christian bookstore. 
I felt like God was telling me to turn around and look at this wall of books, and there was a book. I picked it up, and it challenged everything that you just said to me. I get it. And she broke up with John, and that was the end of that. What a shocking lesson for me to see how it works. It could take three months. It could take a day when we're challenging our husbands. We, we don't know how he's going to respond. If he's horribly mature, he'll say something like, well, thank you. I'll have to give that some thought. And then my job is to go and say nothing, not try to continue to build my case. None of us in this room would try to do that, right? <laughs> right. I couldn't do that. I had to say and catch myself, okay, Lord, it's your problem now. This is for you to deal with. And I know how I would like it to end, but you're in charge. Now, when I take on something with Stan, he will say that because he's very mature. He'll say, well, well, thank you. He said, I'll have to give that some thought. And then my job is to just be quiet. And I'll find that after a day or so, the Holy Spirit has been working in Stan's heart and mind. And he is getting it. Now, not 100%, but most of the time. Yes? So if you've done this about an issue and they have gone through the stages of you've said this, you've said the truth, mm -hmm. they basically smacked you in the face. So if you've done this. But then they've come around and said, you're right, and I'm working on it. And then the pattern again. And the pattern again. So do you keep doing this, or, or then you now the nagger? So if the pattern keeps coming back again and again, first of all, let me know which one of you have been convicted of sin and gotten it and never made a mistake again in holding on, right? Oh, yeah, it, not. <laughs> it's, such, it's such a process. And you, you know, like when I- keep going, then are you just the nagging person? Well, you can judge that for yourself by his response. Like for instance, with, with Ed, after we dealt with his anger problem, there were a few times when he started to escalate and find himself getting angry. And he said, oh, I'm getting angry, aren't I? And I would say, yep. And then he would de-escalate. De now, that was not a disrespectful discourse between us. But what if he said, no, I'm not, and don't ask me again? Well, then I probably would find a different way to come back and speak the truth and love with him at a time when he could receive it. You know, in the moment when everybody's so upset and angry, it's not usually the time when someone can receive it. And if you think about it, the only thing that really matters is that they get it. So how do I have to say it in what time of the day and in what setting so that, and that's me studying my husband, to know when my husband can receive it best so that he can hopefully get it. And then we bathe it with lots of prayer. And Lord, let it be your words and not my words. Boy, that's a big one for me. Let it be your words and not my words. What do you want me to say? And then only go there and not add all of my extra adjectives to get my point across. So let us let our husbands have their process. 
Do you see what buggers we are? You know, somewhere I heard it said that we would never put up with us women because we have a very short stick. Do you see how you were saying every, if it happens again and again, look how we're here ready to kill. Husbands are very different. They have a very long stick. They are not in a hurry to show candy every one of my indiscretions. Notice it, girls. Your men, God builds them to have a very long stick. And we have a very short stick of what we will tolerate. And so our job is to develop a longer stick. And how do I do that without God's help? It's not going to happen. Candy, I also think what you said about not um, getting emotional in the moment. Yes. Yes. Up again. You have a lot of credibility that night or even the next day. Yes. To be able to say, wow, you know, last night I, I was really sad when that happened or I really felt disappointed. Not in the heat of the moment. Just let it go by. Right. Wow. What good comes out of the heat of the moment? Has anyone noticed? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you have to practice reconciliation all over again. So, so I find that it, there's so much wisdom in waiting. And you know, girls, we want to straighten our husbands out right now, don't we? So much of the time. Am I the only one that really would love to straighten my husband out right in the moment, in the heat of the moment? And for me to back off and wait on the Lord because I've seen the bad results of the other. I mean, come on, girls. Do we see good results when we are messing around with the heat of the moment? And so for us to say, oh, wait, 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 God, help me to wait and take this up with you in the morning. And girls, in my quiet time in the morning, God straightens my heart out and he calms me down and he straightens me out so that I can be seeing things from his perspective and not from candies. That's why I'm desperate for that morning time. Yes? I was just gonna say, in, um, you know, speaking the truth and love, something that I found success with is asking questions and coming from a place of like truly, genuinely, authentically caring. Because oftentimes, whatever the behavior is, there's something else that's wrong. Like it's not just out of the blue, he's just acting badly for no reason. And so when I'm able to say, like, I can see that something's upsetting you. You seem really stressed out today. What's going on? Showing, like, care and initiative and what's happening in his world and how he's feeling helps bring about an easier conversation to be able to say, yeah, you, you've been really kind of dark and moody lately. <laughs> yeah, you've been on your phone a lot. You know, it, it kind of softens yes. the conversation. And like just provides more easier to receive. Yeah, just yeah. a safer space for him to be able to yeah. respond. Do you realize how much we have to control ourselves? Yeah. Whoa, and how much we didn't realize <laughs> that we need to control ourselves. Do you realize how desperate you are for the Holy Spirit's help? Yeah. 
and for his, you know, whether I turn to the right or to the left, my ear will hear a voice behind it saying, this is the way, walk in it. I'm desperate for that, girls. And if I have to go to my quiet time the next morning, because what do I say to the Lord? Too many times, Lord, tomorrow morning, you and I have got to thrash this one out. That's what I say to the Lord all the time when I'm in the turmoil of the moment, because I need the peaceful, quiet moment with him to get his perspective and for my emotions to calm down, since we are emotional beings. Does anyone else want to say something about this? This is powerful. In every part of our lives, the very thought that my words, when they're God's words and in his timing, can have an incredible impact on the other, as the Holy Spirit then uses them, is an incredible thought. Changed my life. Oh, just one of many. Let's take a look for a moment toward the end of your packet. It's, there's this page that looks confusing called Submission, Victimization, or Codependency. And I'm going to make it real easy for you. You'll see that you have three columns. The first one says scriptural submission. And then it's got two pages of ways to see what it looks like and to live it out. So the gold standard is one, column one. That's our gold standard. But it's possible that you have been a person who has been victimized. Usually victimization comes from a chaotic household and you have chosen to see things in life as a victim. It is not pretty. And then the third column is codependency and how it gets acted out. Victimization, how it gets acted out. And in the first column, scriptural submission and how we live that out, choosing to become that person. And I really want you girls to look closely at this to see if you can identify if perchance you have some tendencies towards being a victim or some tendencies towards being codependent. Could you yes. just explain briefly what codependency is? It's, it's like being a doormat to whatever your husband wants. You just Yes, dear, yes, dear. Anything to keep the peace. You're thinking that if you say yes, 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 yes to everyone that they will love you. It's being really the ultimate pleaser is what it is. And it is not what God calls us to be. So is it kind of like telling all these different people what those particular people, you think what those particular people want to hear from you? Yes. You may tell someone yes. a different story. Yes, and you're, and you're dying inside because there's no self-governing going on. You're just, yes, please, yes, pleasing, 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 in the hopes that you will then be loved. And it never works. And nothing changes. And, nothing changes. and what you have instead is you have um, contempt for you. you. The person who you are trying to please will have tremendous contempt for you. And do you know why? because they hate how you have allowed them to shamefully behave. 
and they can't face their shame. And so they hate you instead. Because every time they look at you, not you personally, every time they look at you, they feel their shame and they can't face it. So they hate you for it and they treat you terribly. How many of you have seen divorces where the wife was a doormat to the husband and then the divorce takes place and for some reason the husband treats the ex-wife outrageously angrily and despicably and you say what is the point you've divorced get on with your life it's because every time he has to look at you he sees his shame and he can't face it and so instead he is filled with anger when they taught us that one in graduate school they made us go home and find where we had inordinate anger in our lives and look at it more closely and up someone had made me feel shame and I had this inordinate anger toward that person happens all the time in our relationships girls crazy I guess if we had deeply mature person they would face their shame and have godly sorrow toward it and asked for forgiveness but more often than not that's not what happens more often than not that's not what happens they can't face their shame and they hate you because you allowed them to sin all over you oh that's a heavy one sorry for that okay um now one last thing girls if you are in a situation that is horribly abusive then i'd ask you to please see me because what we are generally talking about in this in this coursework is husbands that um, half of our husbands just never knew and we're helping them to learn and then they say oh good and now I know and then they behave well a quarter that's half of our men one quarter of our men you help them to know what needs to be good and fine and excellent and they kicking and screaming finally say you're right and they come over into the other camp and they get there only one quarter of our men are unwilling to ever receive and grow and are horrible and remain abusive and remain terrible in a terribly significant way and that's a different story they're incorrigible and unfixable not that many when you look when you look at it most of our men are are very uh, fixable as we are right okay how about if I pray for you as we close today father God big big things there's a reason why we didn't have lesson seven on submission until eight weeks into our program and it's because there's a lot to it but we find your heart through it all father God and we are so grateful that you can make things uncomplicated and easy help us father God this week to really study hard and learn these wonderful truths that are life-changing 
so that we can have our lives changed so that we can impact our husbands and our children and therefore the world. And we're going to thank you right now, Father God, for what you are dying to do in our lives if we will only ask. And we thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Have a great week, girls.